And we have our community story segment right now. I've got a special guest. She's in Mankato right now. She's a business owner in the Old Town Mankato. She's an indigenous woman-owned small business called Lakota Made. With me this morning, I have Megan Schnichter. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Well, now, I know you recently, not that long ago, opened a store in the Old Town Mankato. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I think you call it Lakota Made, correct? Yes, ma'am. So we opened our first retail store in the Frost Plaza building in Old Town. I think it was in the mid to end of June. And time goes by so quick, it's like trying to remember (laughs) all these dates and stuff like that. Um, But we've been open since I'm pretty sure it's June. And then, yeah, mid to end of June. And then before that, we were only an online store or online online business. And so we've been open since June. We had our grand opening in, I think it was July, July or August. Like I said, it's <laughs> it's been it's been crazy since then. So it's like trying to remember all these different dates. But yeah, and it's been it's been awesome ever since then. And we added a, a day to the store hours, um, and we sell plant based remedies for you know everything under the sun, as far as like um, health and wellness, all made from plants that are harvested around the Mankato area. So we try to stay away from plastic and and stay away from Talk a little bit about your background. You're not originally from Mankato, so where did you come from? What is your background? I'm originally from Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. My community is called um, Milk's Camp, and that's where I grew up and was born and raised. And then I moved to Mankato about six years ago. I have been on the Rosebud Reservation. Our church did a, a mission trip out there probably in, I don't know, 1990s or so to help build the playground in that area. And so I've been, I've been down there and it's a beautiful area. What made you decide to leave your home? Well, it was, um, it was a phone call from a friend of a friend uh-huh. that wanted me to help run a recovery nonprofit. And so I would, I have done nonprofit since before I was born because my mom's had her own nonprofit, grassroots nonprofit since before I was born. And so that's just kind of all I know. And I was looking for another opportunity outside of where I was living. Jobs are pretty scarce around there, especially when you were a single parent. And I had two, two younger girl, uh, two little girls at the time. And so a friend called me and said, do you want to start a recovery nonprofit? And recovery is very near and dear to me because I'm just about um, 16 and a half years sober. Congratulations. So I keep, yeah, thank you. And uh, I moved here and we did the recovery nonprofit for about two and a half years. And then because it was a new model, there wasn't exactly funding available and there was going to be like a 10 month gap in funding. And so unfortunately we had to close the doors. Oh. And so, and then I got married in between in, in that time frame and, added some more kids and <laughs> Kodame kind of came about when I was making plant salves at home <laughs> and my husband was like well why don't you just sell these and I'm like well because uh, nobody would buy them <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow and now it's amazing because I did I do remember seeing Lakota made online and I'm a I, I'm a master gardener so I love plants but I don't know about plant medicine and all that sort of thing so talk a little bit about that what a part does that play in your culture? I assume that's you grew up with it, so you know about that. Yeah, so it's a big part of our culture because we were nomadic people. We traveled all over the place. And so 
you know, in in order for us to, you know, live with nature, we had to know what all these plants and trees and funguses do. And so we used them as food, we used them as, as medicine, and we used them, you know, for, for art projects, and we used them for just about everything under the sun. And so that knowledge was passed down through multiple generations, and I started learning about it when I was, you know, four, five, six years old, and then I just kind of continued my learning processes ever since then. I added some of my own research into that and recording stories and histories that my elders have passed down to me, and so there's, there's you know, traditional herbalism, which a lot of people are, you know, familiar with, with uses of plants and things like that. Ours is a little bit older as far as like what we used to use things for, names, uses, um, when to harvest and things like that. So it's a little bit, little bit different, more, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely culturally relevant to Lakota Made and everything that I do. So Lakota, talk about what is Lakota? So Lakota is one of the many, one of the seven tribes of the Otechi Shakomi. And so we, we aren't Sioux, we aren't Indians, but we are actually a part of, you know, if we want to talk about our names or our tribal names in a sense of like U.S. government type things, it's easier for people to understand. So like Otechi Shakoin, Shakoin would be like the United States of America. And then from there we have seven different tribes. And like Sichangu Lakota, I am, that's the name of the, the tribe that I am from. It's my dialect. And so, uh, Sichangu means burnt thigh. And so that comes from a, a, his, uh, a story where our people or our specific tribe had to, um, walk through a prairie grass fire and we, you know, our legs were burnt. And so that's wow. how the name that we got was Sichangu or burnt thigh. And so, Lakota means is the is the dialect or the tribe that we are, because there's three dialects. There's Lakota, Nakota, and Dakota. And Lakota is across the river. Okay. We're in Mankato or Makato, where Dakota live, and then Nakota people live up north. Okay. When you were down in the Rosebud, is it all Lakota people? Like, or is it a mixture? Yeah. Or I, I guess I don't under you know quite understand how that works. Yeah, so Rosebud, most people from that tribe live in, live in that tribe, but there was multiple people from, you know, all over the place uh, that came to live there because in Rosebud, we had one of the first tribal universities start there, which is Sente Gleshka University um, that was started in the 70s, I believe 60s, 70s. And so we have quite a few people from all over the world that live over in Rosebud that help out with the university and cultural preservation, um, cultural programs and things like that. And so... There's quite a few different people that live on the Rosebud, which is pretty cool. Um, we definitely get a mix of cultures there. Not so much here in, as much as here in Mankato, but yeah, so we have we have mostly Rosebud people, but there are quite a few people that um, move from tribe to tribe. I noticed that coming up on Monday, November 15th, you are going to be a part of American Indian Night at Minnesota State University. It's called Learning from Indigenous Women plant knowledge. So it says that uh, folks are going to be coming and learning and you're one of the presenters. I'm just curious what sorts of things might someone learn from that sounds really interesting. It's uh, 7 to 8 30 p.m. on Monday, November 15th in the Centennial Student Union. Yeah and so the it's kind of a speaker panel and so the topic is um, you know plant medicine and I will be co-presenting with um, two other people and one of the other people that I'll be presenting with is actually she's an author 
and she just had a, a book come out come out, uh, called Braiding Sweetgrass, which is a um, collection of different kinds of plant stories from all different kinds of tribes. And so she's a published author, and then I believe the other person that I will be speaking with is Rhonda Das, professor up at MSU. I don't have any formal education in everything that I know. Everything I know comes from elders and things that are that are passed down through through our histories and our stories. And so it'll be interesting um, to hear the different perspectives on mm-hmm. plant medicine. I was going to say, I also said one of the things that says that you are the director of the Makato Revitalization Project. What is that? So that is a local nonprofit. And the point, or the, the point of the nonprofit is to revitalize indigenous culture in the Mankato area. So Makato Revitalization um, focuses on teaching indigenous history and culture through art. in the Mankato area, and so I have taught and held several different classes, um, not just plant medicine classes, but cultural teachings, special topics through through different private organizations like Living Earth Center, MSU, Gus Davis, which I'll be at Gus Davis um, and MSU next week, and teaching classes, and so it's just about bringing Lakota, Dakota history and culture into the classrooms or into the general public or into, you know, any space and teaching about, you know, the history and the culture that isn't taught, you know, through general education. So that is a, n- a non-profit, registered nonprofit. Are you in charge of that? You're the director. So how does that operate then? Is it out of a place or is it more online presence? It's both. And so right now I am the executive director and then the board are compromised of all Indigenous board members from Omaha, Nebraska, from here in Mankato, and from Flandreau, uh, South Dakota. And so all the all the board members are focused or what they generally do is, is they teach um, indigenous history and culture themselves. And so the board helps me out with, you know, different grants and things like that to provide educational opportunities for southern Minnesota. Oh, and I have gone to um, Omaha, Nebraska um, to teach different classes as well. And so I kind of travel between, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, South Dakota, and the southern Minnesota area to teach <laughs> to teach um, different cultural classes. Along with your Lakota-made store, which is our old town, Mankato, I'm just curious, what sorts of things do you sell at this store? You mentioned when we started the show that it's locally grown stuff that you find. So is it stuff that you harvest, you get it from somewhere, or, or talk a little bit yep. about your process of, of making your products and where they come from? And so all of our all of our plants are from the upper Midwest area. And so they're all plants that, you know, um, when people talk about herbalism, they also, they often think about plants that aren't from here. Mm-hmm. There's different kinds of herbalism. There's Ayurvedic. There's Chinese medicine and things like that. And the Lakota Made only focuses on plants that grow in this region. And so um, myself, my staff, and quite a few volunteers um, have harvested a majority of the plants that we have. Now, some of the stuff doesn't grow here, and so I do have to outsource it, like turmeric, ginger, star anise, um, and arnica flower. Arnica flower comes from um, the mountain region, and so it's, you know, unfortunately, Mankito is too warm of a climate for arnica flower, so I have to outsource those ones, but I do know the farmers and the people that harvest those ones, um, and so those are all sustainably sourced we make sure that our plants are of the highest quality um, and that we are respectful about the plants that we harvest um, and the people that we do have to outsource to that they are also practicing sustainability um, with the plants that they are harvesting for us. Can you give an example of some plants and what they might be used for? Because like I said, I'm, I'm a master gardener. I know a lot about plants, but nothing about the medicinal uses for them. 
Um, yeah, actually, a lot of the plants that I use, um, people are, you know, they're, I find them on the noxious weeds list um, oh. thing because, <laughs> 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 yep, because uh, they, uh, um, mullen is one of them. It's also known as, as lamb's ear. But it has a, it's a gorgeous plant. It's one of my favorite plants. And it's kind of a, a soft plant, and we use it for upper respiratory so- symptoms. And we use it in a lot of our traditional smoking blends. Our smoking, smokable herbs kind of get a bad rap because of commercial tobacco, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not nowhere near the exact same thing because the actual tobacco plant doesn't grow up here. It's too cold for it. And so a long time ago, we had over about 300 different plants that we used to use for different smoking blends, whether it was for ceremonies, it was for celebrations, it was for health, it was for coughs, it was for colds, for all different kinds of things we used to use them for. And it wasn't just for smoking, it was for aromatherapy. And so mullet is one of the basis of a majority of those smoking blends. And it's a awesome plant because you can use it as a tea, you can use it as a smokable, you can tincture it, you can use the, uh, the little yellow flowers that grow on the stock as a cough syrup. And and another one that people are pretty familiar with is nettle, uh, yeah. singing nettle. And so everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, that stuff is terrible. And I'm like, no, it is actually a superfood. It's a superfood really? of superfoods. It you know, is. it's interesting because as a gardener, that's something I try to get rid of because it stings when you, obviously, when you touch it. But Kim, who works down the hall, talks about how she gets your, she said to me, she gets nettles from you. And I, I said, well, what do you mean nettles? What do you do with those? <laughs> yeah. So we, we use them in, um, we use them in just about all of my products. They're in shampoo bars, they're in, they're in lip balms, they're in salves, they're in teas, they're in tinctures, and um, it is a superfood. It has a, such a high vitamin mineral content that it's just crazy that people don't, you know, see it as a noxious weed because it because of the nutritional value that it that it provides. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's a also has a protein, has a a, a protein, you know, base which is weird for a plant to yeah. have. You would think when you say protein, people often think of meats, but there's quite a few plants that actually have protein in them. It's also known as a sustainable, so if you're lost out in the wilderness, you can eat nettles and it would sustain you until you can get to back to civilization or back to where you can find other sources of food. Megan, how do you prepare them so they don't sting you? Because all I can think of is how much it hurts when you, you know, if you accidentally brush against one and, and how awful it is. So I'm like, no, I got to have gloves. So I'm assuming there must yeah. be some secret to making them so you don't get a mouthful of singing or whatever. Yep. Yep. And so it's, harvesting because the needles stick out away from the plant it would be grabbing up behind the plant and pulling away from you know in the opposite direction that the needles are going and then in order for the needles to fall off which they don't really fall off but they have a chemical inside them and if you just get them run them under warm water that chemical becomes loose and so then they don't sting you anymore and then you can saute them like you would greens or spinaches or anything like that it's one of my favorite greens to eat. Um, You can prepare it as a hot tea or a cold tea. As a cold tea, it's my favorite because it's like eating or it's like drinking um, sweet tea without adding anything to it. As a hot tea, it's really green and add some honey to it. 
but um, you can eat it, you can put it into a tincture, you can use it as a salve, you can, we usually, we sell it as a loose leaf tea so that people can decide whether they want to use it as a hot tea, a cold tea, huh. sprinkle it in their food, especially, we have a toddler that struggles with, you know, nutritional, nutritional gaps because she's a picky eater, so we sprinkle it into her food in order for her to get all the vitamins and minerals that she's missing out on by, you know, just eating regular foods, and so, you know, there's quite a few different ways to use nettle, you can tincture it, you can you put it in a tonic or a tea and use it in a salve as a topical remedy for an anti-inflammatory. It has really good anti-inflammatory properties. Wow, I did not know that. Like I said, it's it's been, and the mullein, you mentioned that too. It's, that's when I had a plant grow in my backyard and I thought, what a pretty plant. And then it went to seed and then I was, as a gardener, that wasn't so pretty after all because it, you know, it <laughs> popped up every everywhere. So, and you know, of course, I've heard of plantain as well, and that's considered a weed in many yards, and it grows anywhere because it likes compacted soil where other things won't grow. Talk a little bit about that because I've heard that's a really good one as well. That's an, that's another amazing one. It's another one of my favorites. It's used in just about everything that I have. It's a wild first aid. It's also an edible, and you can also, you know, make it into a tea if you want to. But it's broadleaf plantain. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's there's old Civil War books about different kinds of plants that they used to use on the battlefield. And they used to use, have you ever pulled a plantain leaf? And there's those strings kind yeah. of inside the leaf. Yeah, yep. they've got they that. Used, they're real tough. Yeah, they're super tough. And they're, they're actual natural sutures. Oh. And so we used to, yep. Indigenous people used to use them as, as for sutures, as well as, you know, Civil War era, era people. Um, they used to use those on the battlefield for, you know, stitching up sutures and wounds and things like that. And it's a natural, what do you call it? It's a, it keeps the wound clean and it helps prevent infection. Does it, it so prevent using, itching too? I thought I read somewhere, or am I thinking of a different plant that prevents itching? It can. Oh, okay. If you use it for like, if you make it into, it's like, like really good for bee sting. So mm-hmm. it helps take the swelling down stops the itch and helps bring the venom out of the bee sting. Also helps out with mosquito bites, a little bit of the anti-itch. There are other plants that that have a stronger natural anti-itch to them, but plantain does have a little bit of a natural anti-itch relief. Okay, well, that those are some new things to me, and you put them in products you mentioned. So, I, and I think I saw on your site you've got things like soaps and other things. Tell me about that and how you incorporate these these different plant and medicinal with medicinal properties. Yeah, so it's about knowing what all the different properties of the plants are and then making recipes with them. And so it's like baking, you know, you with flour, you can either make gravy or you can make a cake with it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing uh, with plants. It's a little more extensive, <laughs> but like plantain, like I said, you could use it as an edible or you can use it in a salve. I used it in most of my first aid type salves. So if someone's going to use it, on a, a cut or a burn or a scrape, and then plantain, yarrow are often plants that I would put into first aid remedies. Oh. And then, um, yeah, they're really good. Yarrow is actually like a, a woman's herb. It helps balance out the hormones and estrogen levels in a, in a female. Well, how do you do that? Now, so, I grow yarrow because it's also sold as a, a plant, and a, an outdoor landscape plant. So are you talking yeah. like a wild yarrow or can you use the hybrid yarrow that they've created? And what? how do you use that? So I prefer the wild yarrow. Mm-hmm. Um, the hybrid, they are bred specifically for color. Right. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not 
so sometimes the medicinal value of them are, are often bred out of them. Oh. Not saying that it's completely void of medicinal value, but I prefer yarrow that grows out in the wild because it's it's in its natural form. It's not cross-bred with anything else for a specific purpose. It's, you know, it grows out there where it's supposed to be doing what it's, you know, part of the ecosystem. And so I prefer plants that are wild harvested versus farmed okay. for that reason. But there's a lot of, like, we have tons of yarrow in my yard. It's been there for the last five, six years. We kind of let it do whatever it wants. And so um, it originally came from landscaping from someone's yard quite a few years ago. And we have no idea, you know, (laughs) where it came from before that. But, you know, I use that in quite a few different teas and tinctures and and first aid remedies. Well, now you mentioned the, the hormone thing. How does that work? So different plants, like I said, have different properties. And um, the hormones, yarrow is known as a woman's herb, as a healing herb. And so it helps out the body balance out, you know, as women of of all ages, hormone balances are pretty important because it doesn't take a lot for your hormones to get knocked off, um, knocked off balance, whether it's, you know, other medical issues or it's irregular menstrual cycles foods, it's body inflammation, all different kinds of things. And so um, taking a daily hormone balancer helps kind of relieve body inflammation, acne, helps lighten up your your cycle or helps with premenopausal and menopausal symptoms, helps lessen those because hormones out of balance can make those symptoms kind of, you know, do like kind of like a roller coaster ride. So you're, you're, (laughs) um, you know, as far as like body health and gut health and mental health, hormones play a huge part in women's lives. And so it's really important to like make sure that you are doing, you know, eating the right foods, eliminating sugars and things like that, anything that could knock off your hormones and taking a daily um, hormone balancer. Now, Megan, when you talk about these, are these sort of what more like folklore? They've been told through the years that this is what they do. I don't know if any of them been scientifically proven, so obviously they can't be prescribed, so to speak. Is that the case with most of these things? So a lot of the plants that I deal with have scientific research to back that up. Now, I'm not a medical provider. I'm not trained in any type of, of, of medical, but I do, you know, I put that information on my website as well, is that there is, you know, studies being done on all these different plants for their medicinal values. And have you ever had to take Tamiflu? I think I have in the past. The Yep, the basis of Tamiflu is elderberry, which is a huge seller um, that we have because it's, a, it's nature's one of nature's many um, antivirals. So if you go to the doctor and they say, oh, it's viral, we can't give you anything. Well, that's not oh. true. There's quite a few different natural antivirals. And have you ever taken aspirin? Yes, in the past, uh-huh. Yep, yep. The, yep, the basis of that or the original form of that is white willow bark. Oh, And so a lot of Western medicine has a basis of plant medicine somewhere. And it's just learning how, you know, the scientific names of these plants um, transcribe into, you know, Western medicine. So when you sell it, you can't advertise that it will do certain things. It's just a matter of you say this is what it's shown to do or that kind of thing. Yep. Yep, this is what it's shown to do. This is what it's. This is what it, the history of it is. Whether you know, I add in there the flo- folklore or of it or the the traditional uses of it. Plus, I add some scientific research that has shown you know different studies that has done things for different or the plants that have different properties do different things. 
I assume you'll be talking about a lot of this coming up on Monday, November 15th, 7 to 8.30 p.m., the American Indian Night, Learning from Indigenous Women, the Plant Knowledge. We've been speaking with Megan Schnichter, who is with a business downtown now in Old Man Cato, Lakota Made LLC. She's an Indigenous woman owning a small business. How has that been? Has it been uh, tough being a woman and also being Indigenous to be a business owner, or have you felt supported, or has there been bumps? I have been, I have felt a massive amount of support, but of course, there's always the, the the small amount or percentage of people that come in with, you know, hateful comments or, or rude or mean comments. But I mean, at the same time, I appreciate that they came in right. and said, said what they had to say. And then I, I don't, you know, I don't meet hate with hate. I, I, I validate them. And then I, and then I'm like, well, that's not real because, you know, I like to give the educational piece. I don't, I don't like to get mad at people or, or meet anger with anger. That's not how you, that's not how you treat or how you educate ignorance. <laughs> so um, I just, I meet everything with education, love and education because everyone's human. If people want to know more about you, what is the website they can go to or the Facebook page? LakotaMade.com and it's Lakota Made LLC on Facebook. Wonderful. Well, I'm sorry we are out of time. I'd love to chat more with you. And I haven't been down to see your story. Again, uh, she does sustainably harvested wild plant remedies and eco-friendly personal care products, elderberry products, shampoo bars, herbal infused honey, herbal teas, tinctures, salves, and and lots of other things. And we just talked about a few of them today. So I hope you have a chance to get down there. And where's your location if people want to go check it out in person? 515 North Riverfront Drive, Mankato. And it's the Frost Plaza building. Thank you so much for your time and letting us learn a little bit about more about you and your business. And I hope people can come and, and see you here at Minnesota State on Monday, November 15th. And if they have more questions, they can ask you directly. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.